Hey, welcome to the Daisy Dates podcast. Thank you so much for being so patient with me for this episode. It was actually recorded quite a few weeks ago now, but everything just got busy. Life got real busy and for various reasons, I just haven't had the time to edit it and I've been very busy with work and obviously that has taken a priority. For that reason, I am very much looking for a sponsor as well. So if you have a company that would like to sponsor the podcast, then I'd absolutely love to hear from you. My DMs are always open. Now, I'm very excited about this episode, but I have split it into two parts to make sure that you listen to the whole entire thing so I'm going to release part one this week and part two will come next week because there's just so many golden nuggets incredible gems that I just don't want you to miss out if you know you don't have more than an an hour to spare right now and I totally understand if you don't so look I'm very excited to continue through with season two and after episode 20 then I'm going to take another little break for Christmas. You may have seen from my socials that I'm Cinderella in my local pantomime. So I'm going to be very, very busy and I'll return in the new year with more guests, more ideas and more podcast episodes. And I'm very excited. In the meantime, please give me a follow on my Instagram, Daisy Dates Podcast. I'm also Daisy Bell. You can come and follow me on my personal one too. And on TikTok, Daisy Dates Podcast and Daisy Bell 6 as well. I really hope you enjoy part one of this episode. Cause I hope you pick it up soon And you know just what to do Don't you Hello, welcome to another episode of the Daisy Dates podcast. I'm Daisy and on the podcast I chat all things heartbreak, finding love, mindset and anything and everything to do with dating. And today we're talking love languages, which I'm very excited about because we've touched on it on various episodes but never really delved into it. So today we're learning the science of it. I'm joined with love coach TJ Gibbs. Now, clients will reach out to TJ to uncover and resolve issues related to dating, making up or breaking up through to amicably moving on and establishing the next chapter in their life and their love. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, darling. Thank you for having me. Very excited to have you on. You're just full of wisdom. So I think we're all going to learn so much in this episode. Before we start, I always do a little bit of a this or that game with guests. Okay. Just whatever springs to mind first in terms of dating and romantic relationships. Go for it. So for you, love letter or surprise gift? Love letter. Oh, I love it. Love texts or phone calls? Ooh. Both, please. Um, phone calls, I think. You're allowed to ask for both. Yeah. <laughs> romantic weekend getaway or romantic weekend in? In. Group date or a one-on-one? One-on-one. And what does, to you, being loved look like? Being able to show off as myself and the other person not having a problem with it. Excellent. And... um. Why did you become a love coach? Because, so, when I went through my heartbreak, my relationship breakdown, and um, I didn't want to be here anymore, and the help that I needed wasn't available. So I saw so many different therapists, etc., and I ended up having a mental health breakdown, not being diagnosed with um, any mental health issues. I was actually admitted to a hospital. I wanted out, full stop. And it wasn't just the breakdown of the relationship. It was other relationships with my father, et cetera, Mm. um, and loss and bereavement and everything that, if you don't get dealt with, builds up. So when I eventually had my mental health um, 
I'm going to call it a breakthrough. People call it a breakdown. Yeah, no, right? I like that. I was admitted to a mental health institute and uh, I was told after 10 days analysis that I don't have any mental health issues. I'm just really sad. And that's what broken hearts are. Their soul sadness, heartache is a killer. Um, and if it's consistent and built up, it causes the same kind of trauma. Eventually, that one-off things like jumping from a building, uh, burning building or, or, or things like that could cause because it's, it's sustained traumatic scars that build up into a point of no longer... Um, for some people, no longer wanting to be here. So the, the the reason I do the work is because this wasn't out there when I needed it. And um, when I came out of the hospital, I said, we can't support you. We have no interventions for sad people. Mm. And it, this, was, this was 15, 20 years ago. Okay, but still not so, that long ago, though, really. No, yeah. but, I mean, mental health was either yeah. you're diagnosed and then you get... So I went in search and then I realised that um, the mind had a powerful really powerful effect on how I saw the world so hypnosis was something that I bought into and I found a what I'm specializing in is cognitive hypnotherapy I trained for a year at the Quest Institute and um, that was because the angel that I was provided in my life within four sessions of cognitive hypnotherapy I had moved on from the depression I'd been suffering for a year mm. relocated started a new life in another country Wow. Was there for five years. So it was that quick, that instant. So so believe in it. Mm. So when I came back um, and was looking for my passion and purpose, then I decided to train in it. And what's ironic is I've always done this job my whole life. Like naturally. I, yeah. It's just in you. I think, yeah, you have to have that natural aura for it to work. Yeah. Oh, my girlfriends. Yeah. You know, where, if, if you want to know what your passion is, Ask your friends <laughs> what you talk about nonstop because that's what you're passionate about. Mm. So I decided to invest in my passion and uh, do the work that I couldn't find myself at the time I needed it. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that. And when you are working with people, obviously you're finding a lot about a person within this work, which can be quite self-reflective work as well. How do you find that that affects you personally or your date in life as well i've done the work i've done the program that i do the, the two programs that i seem to get ready for love so because i've done it myself i've grown immensely in understanding what i want from relationships so the work that i do is based on three pillars the first is the therapeutic qualifications that i have cognitive hypnotherapy uh, neuro-linguistic programming plus so many toolkits but the second one is life wisdom lived a, a very rich extremely unusual life but the third pillar is spirituality as well it's bringing in spiritual well-being and understanding getting you to be the best version of you so that you can show up for the love that's waiting for you so I kind of deliver it on three different levels that somebody asked me once how did you get to be so good at what you do I said first I lived it then I studied it, so that's the therapeutic side of it. Um, and then I kind of spiritualised it in terms of why it matters to people. Why do people want love? Why is it so important? And why is it life or death for some people? Wow. It, mm -hmm. do, do you meet people that it truly is life or death? Abs yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Whatever, yeah. when a client comes in, whether they're in for coaching or therapy, it's a case of them not feeling that they're getting what they want from their journey in life. 
especially with love not feeling love for themselves not not feeling loved from their parents their peers or their romantic relationships so for especially for women men can focus and become workaholics which a lot more women are doing as well actually mm-hmm. yeah um throw their emotions into their work whereas women they their ultimate success is their relationships with other people yeah i would say so why do you think men don't focus on that so much men will escape into the work okay uh, m- Look, men and women are different for a reason. Biologically, we're very much designed different. No matter how much we compete, and we're, you know, I, I was in competition with men for thirty years as an IT consultant, paid huge amounts of money, and one of the only women in the industry when I started at twenty-one. So, totally understand where it comes from, from the power requirements and the financial things for men. Um, but for them, investment in relationships is becoming much more important than it used to be. Mm. Because they're now in competition with their partners and no one's getting their needs met. So whereas it used to be from previous generations, genders really understood their roles in the dynamics of a happy relationship. Whereas now it's competitive and people are trying to find their feet and where do they stand? How how do we work that out? I know for me, I find that particularly hard. I'm very much like work, work. I know I bring a masculine energy and I'm trying to sit more in the feminine side. Yeah. And I'm, I've been on a few dates with someone and I'm trying to d- explain the masculine feminine. He doesn't totally get it yet, but he's learning, he's open to learning it. He's like, right. oh, so are you saying I'm not masculine? I'm like, no, you have a great feminine side, which is your caring and nurturing qualities. And I, I still want that. Yeah. Um, but I know that I'm trying to sit more in my feminine energy to help the man so i'm gonna challenge you that's fine because you've just said right you're busy telling him what (laughs) he needs to do with himself no sorry i didn't actually tell him what he needs to do i was telling him how i what i like about him much yeah Ah, so i like the feminine context was what i was saying i don't yeah (laughs) and this is this is what i think women are doing at the moment what we're not doing is spending the thing that we found out about ourselves for ourselves and then allowing others to find out so we can understand them better yeah okay so I think a lot of clients will come to me and say I just want to meet someone who gets me (laughs) and that particularly men say that okay and I'll say so do you and they're like oh you caught me out completely so where I'm coming from is when our focus is on somebody else's journey yeah rather than our own in terms of what we need getting our own needs met but it's very difficult for men at the moment because they're displaced. They don't understand what is it that makes me a man. Previously, it was putting food on the table, bringing, bringing money home. It's like, you know, uh, being present as much as you can. But now it's very much changed in that women are supposed to be superheroes and men are supposed to understand women who are still trying to work out their place in the world. Mm. So how do you get into it? You get into your feminine energy with any relationship, whether it's two women together, two men together, heterosexual uh, relationships. It's a case of understanding what your needs are, enough to be able to feel them yourself and then open up to understand theirs. Yeah, so what I was, what I meant was that I guess I am trying to sit more in the feminine so that he is able to come in and, you know, embrace his masculine but he may not be ready for that so what you've got to do is you've got to do you yeah 
And then the partners who come along, mm. you've got to say, okay, are they at the place where I need them to be? Okay. If not, they don't need to change. They need yeah. to go do what they've got to do. And you've got to be very clear. Women will focus more on the details of their wedding dress than they do the groom. <laughs> they'll know the colour. They'll know the style. They'll know whether they want a veil or not. They'll want to know. Honestly, but when I will ask them questions about their groom that they, they just don't know. <laughs> So it's just like focus on doing you, understand who you are and why you do what you do and who you're attracting. Then you'll know, and I always say, men and women, be very careful who you date because you can't help who you fall in love with. Oh. So you've got to do the work at the top end, not after you've fallen from them. Yeah. Found out they're emotionally unavailable. And then chase them round the world, round and round in circles, which I do know some women that that's worked for, right? But that stalker style is very <laughs> kind of, you know, it's going to go one way or the other. You're going to get the man or you're going to get a jail sentence. Yeah. Gosh, okay. Lots to unpack there. Um, when you're saying working on yourself first, do you first, you have these 12 key components in love, happiness and life that you yeah. kind of put forward for people to fill out before you get to work with them ultimately to see where they're at. Can you tell us a little bit more about this? And I have actually done this. So TJ is aware of my score and we'll touch on it a little bit later. Yeah, so it's 12 areas of life and love. Now, people will often focus on what's missing in their journey, can become fanatical about it and then forget the other 11 areas. So whether that's finance, whether it's at the gym and physical buffing up, liking to look or, or wanting abs whether it's um, focused on their children and nurturing whether it's focused on just making money when you overly focus as a seeker on one area of the 12 areas or even six areas of the 12 areas you're going to be lacking in the areas that you're avoiding so what the the wheels of life and love are, are, are aimed to do is to give me um, a very good baseline of where you're starting when you come in to work with me it tells me whether we're working on from therapy or whether we're going into life or love coaching. It gives me a very clear understanding of what your jump off point is. Um, and you might get clients with really high scores in some areas and really low in others. But those clients who come into me, um, it's not just relationships that I do anymore. It's people's relationships with themselves. So those clients that come into me that score really low, like in the twos and threes overalls, They've fallen out of love with themselves. They've disconnected from themselves. So there's therapy work to be done to reconnect them before they can connect to anyone else. Is that the point you normally find people come to you? All over. Okay. So it's interesting is that when I used to just do the love coaching work, um, people would come in post-relationships, post-divorce, um, or just, I'm always picking the wrong person kind of thing, or I can't find love. But what I've ha what's happened more and more is as I've um, those clients needed the holistic work of understanding themselves better to show up in their relationships. So my practice now is about eighty percent word of mouth. So I do a lot of uh, I do a five step program called the My See Me Experience, which includes hypnosis, where what I do is I reconnect you to yourself. Um, and once you then, so you do these, the wheels of life and love at session one, session five, we retake it and you can see the difference in your happiness ratings in life and love. 
And at that point, that's when you'll probably go into coaching. Who are you looking for in your relationship? And depending on, I don't know if you're aware of this, but depending on where you are on your your journey of life, um, but 21 to 28 is such a significant period of self-actualization that also, which we'll talk about a bit later, depending on where you are on the love cycle, will also really define how ready you are for love. So that's why my book is called Get Ready for Love, where the program's called Get Ready for Love. But that's when you're ready for coaching. If we need some underpinning therapy work, that will be defined by how low your score is. We'll first do the therapeutic work and then go on to the coaching. Okay. Um, Have you ever had someone come to you and get like a really high score, like a nine or a ten? They would. I... Yes, the answer is, and she was lying. <laughs> yeah, okay, right? yeah. Because her scores didn't add up. She had some really low scores in some areas. If you're talking about nine or ten overall, never, mm. because that's somebody who's completely happy with life, joy. They would never go looking for help for anything. Mm. Their their life is where they're at. I have had some people who've scored it after the work, which is really interesting, because there oh, wow. is a, post, a post-therapy and coaching high. With the work that I do, once you reconnect yourself, you're buzzing. But actually what we're aiming for is a seven. Seven is the number of peace. Eight is the number of happiness. Nine is joy. And ten is fulfillment. And to be quite honest, if you're completely fulfilled in life, there would be an argument spiritually, okay, if you've done your journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with because that. Because what else is there left to learn yeah. or to achieve? or Maintaining fulfillment is really difficult. Yeah. I scored a 6.7, so we'll get on to that a little bit later. So it's You scored a 6.9 overall. Oh, 6.7 okay. was um, actually for your your love area, yeah. <laughs> and for life it was 7. So uh, for life, you're 7, you're at peace. Mm. 6.7, you're in inquiry. Inquiry is a brilliant place to be because you're ready for change. Okay, yes, right? I, and that that's true. That is true, which people that have listened to the podcast will probably know that because I'm I'm trying to be self-reflective and be like, okay, well, why am I going for people that I'm going for and what can I do to, you know, I'm, I'm aware that if you're going on a lot of dates and you're not finding the people that are right for you, mm. that's not necessarily a them problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I'm fully aware of that and it's important that you know that, isn't it, on, on the journey, like the self-reflective. I think one of the most, first of all, what I want to say to anyone listening is I say to every one of my clients that walks through my door, you are the only expert on you. So whatever I'm going to say today is all subjected to your own truth. You know everything you need to know. My job is to help guide you towards what you've forgotten. Okay. So the question really would be at is once you're at peace with yourself, how much of the risk are you prepared to take on love? Because it's a risky journey. It's just like you can be at peace with your job, but what if you suddenly get banged redundant, right? Mm. Are you ready to go on the journey towards that which you don't know? So it's the reason why we do the therapy first before the coaching is so that you can turn up as the best version of you to take the risks because love is a huge risk. And as I said, for some life or death risk, Mm. it's not to be taken lightly. And some people choose not to take it anymore. And that's their right as well. To, to, I, I don't want any more. They'll get a dog. They'll kind of live on their own. They'll choose not to opt in love because it's a risky business. Would you say that's more generational? Like that's happening a lot more now than it used to? 
I don't think it's generational. The two questions there, it's not generational, but it is happening more now than it used to. Okay. Because people are, are now kind of focusing so much on their own needs and they're not, since COVID, the, the need for communities. Um, I know we talked about how you're really passionate about building communities and networks yeah. for people and friendships and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm massive on expanding friendships. I'm constantly making new friends in my life. Well, we've gone backwards so much since COVID. So people have normalised just being on their own and it's a bigger risk now to bring someone into that mm. known. So I'm going to say something that that really would help people, but it might throw you as well. Okay. Human beings prefer certain unhappiness over uncertain happiness. Yeah, that makes sense, doesn't it? Because certain unhappiness, your brain has told you you will survive because you're living it. So you can thrive in it. So if you can stay in a relationship for years that you're not happy in, you're certain that you're unhappy, but you're not dead. Whereas the brain can't come to concepts with the uncertainty of happiness. So people will move on only when they got not got a lot of choice with many people will stop because the uncertainty of happiness is scarier than the unhappiness. The uncertainty of happiness is scarier than the certainty of unhappiness. Oh, gosh. We're going to learn so much in this episode. <laughs> so that's why fear is the biggest thing that will hold people back. So you could very yeah. much find in your scores, for instance, that you're so happy being alone that literally the universe had to flick you off the end of the cliff to get you into that space of uncertainty where you will find happiness, which is 8, 9 and 10. Okay, that's interesting. That's an interesting um, point because, yeah, I would say I'm I'm quite content, to be honest. Yeah. Like, living alone, I love it. I'll get home tonight and I'll make a lovely meal and I might have a glass of wine on my own. I, I just enjoy it. Mm. I'll enjoy watching something on my own. And it's because what you know. Yeah. Yeah. Inviting someone in, like, every day living with me right. does scare me to death. Right, yeah. so this is where you should be looking at, at situationships. Situ situationships that you don't that that there's somebody else that feels that same way where you just want to enjoy the space with each other when you've got it and then allow that to breathe now we spoke um just very briefly about this depending on your love style and where you're at on the love cycle so if you're at a stage of storage where you know you just prefer friendship over romance then that can grow from there some people are pragma which is pragmatic where they want to get married, they want to have children, they've met somebody who wants the same as them, the chemistries, there's no bells and whistles, but they both mm. are what they want at that point. So when you go into where you are at on your journey right now, it is the truth that you really want a relationship? Are you prepared to take the risk on your peace? Are you asking grow. me? Yeah. Oh, you are. Oh. <laughs> that's the question you need to ask yourself yeah. and have answered. Yeah, no, and I think that's a good... It's, I know that I'm really happy on my own, but also I really... like. I know that I know that I don't want to grow old alone. So, yeah, I right. know that I do truly, truly, yeah, I do want the family, yeah. How Deep old down. are you now, Daisy? 28. Okay, yeah. so you've just come out of your actualisation phase, right? So mm. 21 to 28 is where if you don't happen to have children, you haven't got married and other things are, 
you've learned a lot about yourself. So 28 to 35 is nest building phase. Okay. So this is where you're in the decision-making process. So the Get Ready for Love um, book that you've been looking at, the thing is where you start to understand who your soul is calling for mm. as a mate. So I think what I'm hearing from you is I don't just want anyone, I want my someone. Yes, which is why I think it's so hard to date now because that comes with a lot more pressure than right. it did at 25 and just meeting a really nice guy. Right, yep, yep. So be careful that you're looking at the reality, not the potential. Okay, what do you mean by that? Right, okay. So a lot of people will fall in love with somebody. Oh, just if they had uh, somebody to support them, if they had somebody to nurture them, they might achieve, they could be this, they could be that. You see the potential. If you fall in love with someone's potential, you've got probably a 90% chance that they're never going to meet their potential unless they choose to. What you want to do is to look out for that person who's showing up as themselves, not in their potential. Okay. Us women, we love to change people. We love to kind of nurture. We love to help other people grow because we're hoping they'll help us grow. When actually what it should be is that we are growing ourselves and then we're looking for our equal. And understanding, like I said earlier on, understanding what you want because you're coming now into 28 to 35. So this is your nest building. Right, so do I want marriage? Do I want children? Do I want to buy a home? If so, what would my partner look like? How many children would I want? Where would I want to live? This is where you're now coming into your foundation building mm. for the future. Because 21 to 28, hopefully, you've experimented, you've met a lot of different people, you've done some different jobs, maybe you've lived in some different places, and you've got a clear understanding and you've come to peace, which is where you're virtually at mm. with who you are. So now you want to find your soul's mate. Mm. And what I find a lot of my clients do is they wait to be chosen. So they don't do, they don't have much action behind finding the person. They, they don't know what they're looking for. So they wait for someone to choose them. Yeah. And especially if they fall in love with potential, they'll wait till he's no longer a drug addict or no longer a workaholic or or just until he gets over his ex, oh. or um, until he decides to leave home, or until he's out of the ludos phase, which is the messing around phase, right? They'll wait. Rather than, so they'll wait to be chosen rather than choose. Yeah, no, I know I don't do that. Yeah. But I, see, I, know, I, I can also understand why people, yeah, because it's that... I think the exhaustion of dating comes in and people get lazier with dating so they kind of wait for someone to dating be ready fatigue. to yeah yeah understanding what mm. you want it at the end of the day you need to where you are at on your face what's the next important i've heard i hear people talk about failed relationships and it makes me mad there's no such thing as a failed relationship because from every relationship you've grown more into Learning. the person that you would due to become or not due to become and you will change mm. so without relationships there is no growth or change so the only failed relationship is no relationship which we need to be careful at when we get to peace that are we if we still want to keep growing then we've got to take that risk into love and relationships and not necessarily perfect ones what we talk about in the book, Get Ready for Love and on the programme, 
is never compromise your non-negotiables, which are your top five. But then you have um, nice to have some priorities. That's where the list of, oh, he, he's got to be a gym buff, he's got to be six <laughs> foot, he's got to be earning X amount. They're the mm. nice to have and priorities, okay? And they're just a list of things that the person you end up with may well not fulfill, but your non-negotiables should never be negotiated on. So, for instance, a non-negotiable for me is non-smoking. Yeah, mine would be um, like not taking drugs, right, like at okay. raves and yeah. weekends and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Somebody could be and that they don't want somebody with children. That could be male or mm. female. And, and the problem is with when you compromise your non-negotiables, you're rarely going to get your needs met. So look at your top five non-negotiables. And for most people, I already write it into the program that chemistry has got to be one of them for, um, you know, for yeah. for non-negotiable. So it's like what I – so some people – I had a client the other day who was like no pets. She was absolutely – hate. he can't have a dog. He can't have a – no, I don't want anybody with any pets. But if she went out and she met somebody in a club and she went out on a couple of dates, and how is she going to know that he's got pets? So this is where when you start understanding what your non-negotiables are – you need to start finding out early on in the dating pool whether they're going to likely to meet them. Because if they talk nonstop about their dog, hello, if your <laughs> non-negotiable is non-pets, move on. doesn't matter how hot he is. doesn't matter how much, like, move on. The dog thing's hilarious because I've had so many guys love their dogs so much more than me. So mm -hmm. <laughs> I, mm -hmm. I hate dogs for that reason. Right, and there you go. Maybe that's just her as well. She doesn't want to compete or she can't <laughs> compete, full stop. How funny. Um, when we talk about non-negotiables, we'll get into love languages, like how important it is to have conversations like non-negotiables, find out those early on in dating. When with love languages, how important is it to understand each other's and what the other person wants? When can that be a conversation? Right. So love languages are really interesting because they show you how you receive love. Um, one of the biggest things that I try and impart in my coaching work is that we teach people how to love us, right, by how we respond and the boundaries we set. We don't get what we deserve in life. We get what we expect. Okay, so how we show up. So if quality time is your, your primary love language, then dating somebody who's abroad or long <laughs> distance is not going to work with you. And interestingly, there's something called the VAC representational system, which if you're visual, your love language is most likely to be quality time. Therefore, getting in a long distance relationship is going to be a problem. Full stop. Mm -hmm. So understanding both your rep system and your love language really helps you understand what you need from somebody. So when you're in the dating pool, you can select wisely. But what is equally important is once you're out of the dating phase and move into the relationship phase, if you're not understanding what their love language is, and it definitely doesn't have to be the same as yours, you just not have to presume that the way they do love is the same way as yours. Mm. So I constantly hear people say, I would never do that to him. Yeah, well, you're loving in a different way than they are. That doesn't mean they don't love you. It just means they show it differently. So acts of service 
um, kinesthetics. So kinesthetics know things. They're quite spiritual people. Okay, so this is the VAK, isn't it? Yeah, so the back, visual, visual, audio, or kinesthetic. Okay. okay. Kinesthetics work out of their gut. They know things. They they can spot. They they can just tell if you're lying. They um they'll they'll say very often. I know how you feel. They process through their emotions. Okay. So their love language is very highly likely to be acts of service or physical touch. So actually, somebody not taking out the bins, this old thing about putting the toilet seat down or taking out the bins, what it's basically saying is the person who's complaining about it, that their love language is acts of service. It's a huge thing for some people. Somebody won't put out the bins or put the toilet seat down. Mm. So whereas if you're audio, then you've got to show up and those I'm highly audio, so I need those texts and those phone calls that you mentioned earlier on. Okay. I don't have to see you for weeks, months is fine with me, but you have to stay in regular contact. So understanding your own language, then you can teach the other person how you feel loved. But then it's really important to then get a handle on theirs so that they can feel loved as well okay yeah I agree with you I'm more audio so I need the words of affirmation so I need yeah. someone to tell me that I look nice or that they love me I need it right. to be said rather than them like bringing me flowers and how are you this is where so love only lasts seven years the oxytocin the chemical love only actually lasts seven years okay so and that's designed because originally what we were supposed to do was to get into a relationship to procreate. And that they say, give me a child to the age of seven and I'll show you the man. What that basically means is a child needs the caregivers for the first seven years. So that's why love lasts seven years. Because it's biological, meet the needs of the parents to stay together long enough for the offspring to be able to survive. If you think back to caveman days, like the child learned by the age of seven how to build a fire to keep himself warm, uh, be able to cook food, ward off animals to keep himself clean otherwise he'd die from infection those kind of things so love as an oxytocin as a chemical wears off after seven years hence the term the seven year itch okay and this also the prime time when divorces are applied for january in the seventh year of of a relationship or marriage okay so if you haven't done work like understanding somebody, their visual, audio, kinesthetic, if you don't know whether they're, and I haven't yet met a client whose gift giving is is a, hundreds of people that I've worked with, never met a client that's over 15% as gift giving. Really? Yeah, never. As, and, as their way of showing or yeah. receiving love. Wow. And the majority of my clients at the moment are between 19 and 35 Right, so we're not talking about because I'm working with a, d a different generation. Okay. 19, that's young, isn't it, to yeah. come and seek help as well for love? Well, they're actually coming in at the time. They're coming in through anxiety uh, or through other mental health issues. Um, they may be having panic attacks and things like that. But what's so interesting is when they come in, there's a lack of self-love. There's a lack of being able to feel love in their peer groups or in their families. It's always come down to love. So they might step in now because there's several routes you can access me via from the mental health side of things. From the, I want, I actually want to rename mental health because as I told you, when I went into hospital, I didn't have a label. My emotional health was zero. So I actually call myself an emotional health 
therapist rather than the mental health. I like that. I think that something about the mental comes with a bit of a stigma. Well, you're looking for labels. I have to, as a qualified therapist, I have to check in with your label status because I cannot do hypnosis with borderline personality disorders Mm. and things like that. So I'm clinically, I have to check in with your mental health. But it tells me nothing whether you're, you're taking sertraline for depression. That doesn't tell me anything. I'm looking for your sadness levels because the wheels of life and love are about how happy you are on your journey. It's it's not about the labels that you've been defined. I had a client who's cu- who cu- I've actually got a couple of clients with body dysmorphic disorder. Okay, so when you get a label like that or bulimia or anything like that, you start to see yourself as a problem. But actually, it's just an output of sadness, a lack of love, and a lack of control over life. These are all symptoms, whether they're depression, panic attacks. So at nineteen. They're not necessarily coming in because they don't feel loved or in a relationship, but they are struggling with being here in the world with panic attacks and um, depression. So therefore, they can't access love. And without love, where is life worth? I I saw something the other day, and I do think that you need self-love to be able to receive love. However... I'd like to get your opinion on this. It was a social media post that I saw that said we need to stop drilling into people that you need to love yourself fully first before you can be loved because it makes the person feel like they're not lovable, but you can not love yourself fully, but find love that can grow you into loving yourself. Interesting. Mm. I I see both sides. Okay, without self-love... The journey of love is going to be a difficult one because where does it land? Okay, um, if you if you have a bucket with a hole in it and you water it, that there's not going to be anything left in the bucket after it. But at the same time, we grow through relationships. Okay, this is why I say you should always be dating as you're growing. But if you're hurting, you shouldn't be. So I think it's where you are at on your journey. So when clients come in, if their scores are under five, then there's therapy to be required. Five and above is coaching. So I think it's it's where you are at on your journey of life. Self-love is something that we're born with. Then we lose going through big school. My stepson's like, there's no such thing as big school. <laughs> Go through big schools. That's when we tend to, to lose it, okay, in our peer groups, when we lose sight of who we are. 21 to 28 then comes is where we're supposed to, in theory, reconnect. Without that reconnection to self, you're choosing people that are inappropriate for you. So love will become much more difficult. So I see both sides. You have to be in relationships with people to be able to grow. But at the same time, if there's no self-love, you're going to be chosen and your journey is going to be part of theirs. You're not going to be somebody that happens to life. You're going to be someone that life happens to Mm. so i can see both sides of it but if you're continually getting problems in the relationships and you know that there's no self-love don't continue dating because you're just damaging yourself you're it's a form of self-harm you need to heal first so that you can make better choices and go into a relationship from a place of loving yourself like i said we're teaching people how to love us So if we have no self-love, what are you teaching the other person that I'm not worthy of your love? And I once saw a cartoon that said this is so indicative of relationships 
And the guy said, my wife told me she was fat 99 times. It wasn't till the 100th time that I saw she was right and that I believed her. Because if you show up as I'm not lovable, I know you're going to leave me, I know that I'm not good enough for you, initially the person's going to fight that. Mm. But after a while you're teaching them, actually, that is true. That is the truth and I see what you mean. And it's something in therapy called what the thinker thinks the prover proves. So you say it often enough, the other person's going to believe you. This is why half the population in America believe that Trump won the election because you say things often enough, yeah. there'll be enough people that will, will believe you. Gosh, that's so interesting, isn't it? Um, going back to the love languages, does what you, how you need to be loved stem from how you were brought up, do you think? Like, I had someone on the podcast that said she needs to be told all the time that she's doing well and words of affirmation. She thinks because she's a only child. So she always got that as a child, for example. Okay. I, I would say to her straight away, I, w I would smile knowingly because until we get to the work, I can't prove it to her. But there's actually three parts of us. Okay. And it's her inner child who's dating. Okay. When she's, she's just said it to me. Mm. She's just said, because I didn't hear that I was loved, because it's, it's her inner child that's dating. That will always be needy, clingy, and end up as a manic relationship that when he's out of sight or out of contact or hasn't replied to her within two hours, she's becoming manic. She's not connected to herself. She hasn't done the work. and There's not self-love there. So her inner child is dating. Okay. When it's a power control, when there's a need for us to be in other people's journey, it could be the ego that's dating. The only healthy relationship is your connection to yourself and you dating with somebody who knows themselves. That's why the work has to be done. So when you get two inner childs, dating it's so funny to watch <laughs> right it's so it's I, and i don't know if you if you um if you watch love island at all but there was a, a couple on there that are constant arguments okay right. um and they won the show and th they were just in their inner child the whole time is it recent the recent one yeah the recent okay. one so um that was um sammy and jess yeah they kind of they're, they're just their inner child were just totally looking for playmates there so, and that will cause a lot of issues. That will be a, so doing that, this comes back to why the self-love is important. Because the opposite of self-love is self-harm, self-sabotage, lack of self-confidence, lack of self-awareness. So the lack of self-love causes the problems in the relationships. So if it's got to the point where you're attracting the wrong people and you're having toxic relationship after toxic relationship, stop, get the self-love sorted out. Mm. But if you're growing in self-love, so I have clients that are healing from abusive relationships, go ahead and date. But you're learning from that dating how to love yourself differently because you're doing the work. You're in therapy, you're in coaching, you're doing the work. So when you're showing up in your relationship, it's a completely different version of you that was in the previous one. So it goes back to your question of whether you should be dating. It's how toxic are your dating experiences? will give you a good clue of how ready you are for a relationship. Okay. I'm taking it all in. <laughs> <laughs> but your scores are quite healthy. Your scores yeah. are seven. So mm. yours is a, yours is, um, 
what we might call a unicorn state mm -hmm. where you're looking for perfection possibly okay and the areas that you need to grow in in terms of relationship wise is maybe someone who challenges you but I don't know how much you enjoy being challenged well I think I might like it <laughs> You might like it or you won't like it. No, I think I do. Right. I well, don't you mind need it. it. Yeah. You, it's your yeah. scores are coming up. As yeah. You need somebody who knows themselves. Yeah, I know that. Yeah. You need somebody who you can learn from. I don't know what date ages you're, you're dating in, but you need somebody quite mature, as in somebody who's maybe gone through a, a few relationships, serious relationships, and is not prepared to just date for the sake of it. So who you're looking for, who your soul is looking for is that mate, is who you can grow with. And which is why I kind of pulled you earlier on with when you're teaching somebody else, what you are thirsty for is grace. So the person that you will be most attracted to is that one that comes in and you sit on their every word. You, you want to hear, you want to grow, you want to learn from them. So what's coming up for me, especially if you're audio, is look for somebody that you can sit and listen to. Okay. Somebody who you just want to speak to. Because with us audio people, and there are only two out of ten of the population are audio. Yeah. Great, of course. Exactly. <laughs> they don't, like people, yeah, we do tend to over talk people. Mm. We're not the best at kind of stopping back and like, what have I got to learn from this person? So rather than looking at somebody, my suggestion would be to rather look at it somebody for what you can bring to them, look at what can you learn from them? I, I like that advice because I was saying earlier um, to someone that's actually, to Jay Williams that's done a podcast episode uh, in season one, episode six or seven, The Mindset Coach, and I was saying to him, I, I've, I think the reason I'm struggling today is because I am looking for someone that shows up like I do and what I can offer. So I, you're right. I need to like learn from them rather than having that expectation of, you know, what I'm looking for. I need them to. It's going to be somebody me. for you that's been through a lot. Really? Yeah. It's interesting. It's going to be somebody for you that's struggled mm. and has conquered the struggles. That's who you're, what you're looking for, I can see in your scores, is to level up, to become the next version of you, right? You're, you're at peace with who you are. You're prepared to risk and go down on your scores to actually search for, for somebody who can challenge you and your ideas because that's what you're looking for is that growth. That's interesting because Jay Williams outside said the exact same thing. Okay. <laughs> that you need someone that challenges you. Yeah. Because um, he said uh, he he I remind him of his wife that needed that as well. I think okay. we're quite similar. So yeah, that was quite interesting. Your scores that are both showing me that. that. Your scores are showing <laughs> that for you to grow, it needs to be somebody who's going to be challenging, and they would have struggled. And it's really interesting what you said earlier on, because there's always keys. We know everything we need to know. You said that one of your non-negotiables is someone who does drugs, mm. who doesn't do drugs, okay. So somebody who's a recovering uh, drug abuser is going to have learned a lot. Somebody who's in recovery from that. So don't rule out people who've had that in their past. 
it's about what struggles have they come through and what have they learned from it. Because it's it's unlikely that drug abusers, you're going to know that up front anyway. Mm. Okay, but somebody who can openly say to you, you know, I, I'm a recovering addict. Um, that's somebody for you that could really, you could learn a lot from. So don't throw the baby out with the bathwater and where they've been. It's about who they are and where they're going for you. And just take away from today. All mm. I say to clients at the end of our sessions is take away whatever landed with you. Let everything else go. But there will be one or two nuggets that have landed with you today. And that's for you. The rest will be for someone else. Everyone will take a different takeaway from, from your podcast today, your podcast next time. Whatever it is, two things that landed with you, they're the ones that are meant for you. So life's for loving. That's all we're really here for. So just get on and do it. Take some risks, girl. Ah, oh, thank you. It's You're been welcome. so nice. I've learnt loads. Hey, it's Daisy. Thank you so much for listening to part one of episode 16. TJ Gibbs is just full of wisdom, isn't she? Also known as The Love Coach. You can head to thelovecoach.co.uk if you want to check her out. Check out the wheels of love, life and happiness and check out your score as well. And part two is going to be up next week. So don't miss that because in next week's part two episode, we're going to talk about the love cycles. Now, I did an Instagram post on this and it actually comes from the ancient Greeks. Of course it does. Everything does. <laughs> and basically it's the different cycles of love and phases of love that we can be in at different times and at different points of our life and different points in our relationship. Now, this goes for kind of all types of relationship. But obviously, we've spoken about these cycles within a romantic relationships context. Uh, so check out my Instagram post on that. I will link it in the bio of this and I'll see you next week and of course in the meantime please like leave a comment if you really liked it subscribe and yeah it just really helps to follow like and share every little really does help see you next week <laughs>